0: Book space. That's right. I said it correctly. It's because I wrote it down because I can never <laughs> remember the word order. Nailed it. Yeah, thank you. I'm here with Dan Thoreau. Hello. Uh, and Brock. Hello. And I'm Somerset Winters Thoreau. No relation.
1: That's oh, because we're I married. Just, I was just going to ask, but.
2: Well, if there were a relation, it would be illegal in some states. Not Utah, actually. Oh,
0: it's good to
2: know. A lot of kissing cousins.
0: (laughs) Anywho, we're moving on here. Uh, I am your host. And first, we're going to rate this book that we have all read as a group. It's Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. And uh, we're gonna rate it, and also give like a little uh, descriptor word, which I haven't thought of mine yet. Let me think for a minute.
2: I forgot we do this. Brock, you go first.
1: <laughs> Listen, now's now's the time to do this, and if you two, you know, aren't uh, aren't prepared, then I guess I will just have to, you know, really step in, because I've already prepared mine, and I definitely had it already, um, and it's one that I already thought of, and. I really did already have it.
0: It feels like you're procrastinating because you don't actually have one.
1: (laughs) Well, no, what I, you know, I mean, that's crazy. And that's a wild accusation that you would say (laughs) that. Uh, uh, I would give this a stellar thumbs up.
0: Ooh, nice. Very nice.
1: Yeah, Yeah. How
0: about you, Dan?
2: I would give this a stomach churning thumbs up. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I just wanted to get a pun in there cuz we know Andy Weir did.
0: You like you like to pun a lot.
2: Not not this much.
0: <laughs> so is that kind of like a diss? Like as a thumbs up but a diss as well?
2: A little bit of a diss, but yeah. we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that.
1: Okay. Oh yeah.
0: And um I was just being so entertained by the conversation and I forgot to think of a word. So let me, give me a minute. Give me a minute. Okay.
1: Yeah. We'll uh we'll give you a minute and you know, you go ahead and think about it.
2: Here, we'll here we're going to put on the passing time music. Yeah.
0: Can I hear it? Is oh. it going? I
2: well. clicked the delete music button. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs>
0: Wait, that's wait music?
2: No, I, I literally deleted the wait <laughs> yeah. music.
0: Oh. It's probably not on this computer. Dan. Damn you,
2: Zencaster. Why did you put the delete button right there?
0: <laughs> 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 All right, I'll say I'll say it's a thumbs up. Space, you know, like oh, very
3: good
2: Muppets. Don't explain the joke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I all right. Sorry, I apologize for explain. Can we just delete that? <laughs> oh
1: yeah, I'll trim that up real nice.
0: I bet you will. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're gonna continue on to wrong spoilers. Brock, take it away.
1: Oh boy. Okay. Uh, I mean, so the first the first wrong spoiler that I uncovered here uh, and not a lot of people are aware of this, but it, this story did start out as Steve Urkel fan fiction. <laughs> uh, and That's just a little, a little tidbit.
3: Interesting. Um,
1: so in the past, I have certainly allegedly uh, tampered with people's emails and hard drives or maybe bribed garbage collectors or maybe <laughs> carried out elaborate heists or to uncover or <laughs> seductions have happened to uncover alternate titles or first draft information allegedly. Right. But I, I worry that this time I've stepped over the line. Uh,
3: Uh-oh.
1: I have a letter written by a certain author and addressed to a certain Aeronautics and Space Administration, <laughs> uh, and the letter reads as follows: From the desk of Andy Weir.
3: <laughs> hey there,
1: NASA, it's me, Andy Weir, your old buddy Andy Weir.
3: <laughs>
1: I had a couple of questions to run by you for my upcoming novel, and I'd love to get your feedback. <laughs> The last book went a little off the rails. Uh, I'm almost certain that condom thing you told me about was a prank. (laughs) So I really want to get this one dialed in. First off, how many months do your astronauts usually spend in their space comas? Because I don't want to exaggerate it too much, you know.
3: Uh,
1: Second, when we meet aliens for the first time, what is NASA's policy on seducing them? Qu- quite a lot of this first draft leans on that being kind of first thing on the list. <laughs> um, third question: Can space get sick? I, I know I know it sounds weird, but like, can outer space get like the flu?
3: Fingers crossed
1: the answer is yes. (laughs) And lastly, uh, which countries have the snarkiest scientists? (laughs) I just, I need the sass to really feel authentic. (laughs) Thanks so much. I look forward to your response. Space hugs and space kisses, Andy.
0: Uh That is really fun that you found that letter.
1: Oh, it was such a find. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I bet they have an entire filing cabinet.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Of Andy weird letters. Yeah. Uh,
2: Unopened.
1: (laughs) Right. Uh, So and then the other thing I found is I just uh, and this was I mean, this was pretty easy. This was some simple garbage collector bribery, but I found some uh, some cover blurbs. Uh, that had been rejected. You know, so these are blurbs that were written up, requested by the publisher, and it didn't end up on the uh, actual cover. Um, this can
0: be hard to write.
1: Oh, they can, <laughs> yeah. And you'll you'll maybe see, you, you know, you'll maybe uncover uh, a bit of the process of just how hard they can be to write. Uh, so one of these blurbs was, this is the third best science textbook I've ever read uh, and that was from Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, the The next blurb was, "I would bang that hot little rock monster until it was nothing but gravel."
2: Jack and that Hammer. one was
1: that one was Will Wheaton. Uh,
2: Four out of five stars.
1: The, the The first draft of that blurb was was so much dirtier. (laughs) Uh, Okay. The next rejected blurb was, uh, how many of these am I doing? I I kind of have other stuff going on. And now that was from Britney Spears. Uh, I wasn't sure why they they requested. Because she did. She has a lot of other stuff going on. Uh, The next blurb that was rejected, what did Wheaton say about boning the alien? That's wild. Uh, and that was from Meryl Streep, uh, which again was a a big get, but kind of strange. Um, and then the last rejected uh, cover blurb was Wheaton said, "What? Yeah, I get it." Uh, and that was Patrick Stewart that he gave that blurb.
2: You know, Brock. The only thing I find outlandish about this is that Meryl Streep would have any clue who Will Wheaton is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, that is, that is the, uh, the most wrong of that wrong spoiler. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Thanks, Brock. That was great.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, Dan, do you have a synopsis prepared?
2: Yes. And this is a labyrinthine novel. And so I really wanted to, uh, make sure I got all the nuances.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Excellent. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. he was
0: looking at me significantly there for some reason for for all of our listeners
1: you are the most nuanced of the three of us <laughs> here we go but that was why so so
2: give me some forbearance um I have interpreted this novel <clears throat> into rock monster
0: I forbear <whistles> what's going on oh um very I good. Gotcha. I got
2: gotcha. you. I'm, I'm doing it in Rocky's language.
0: I think he should probably do it in human language.
2: Oh, okay. 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 Hold on. Let me pull out my human language draft.
3: Uh-huh. I just, okay. I
1: would just like to say that was some good whistling. Thank you. <laughs> I can't whistle. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Summer is a very good whistler.
2: So. Oh, good. Yeah. That
0: was not my whistling, by the way.
2: She wouldn't. <laughs> she would not put her signature on that. Okay Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir A synopsis by Dan (laughs) Thoreau In the year 2000 and now plus one We meet our protagonist Ryland Grace teaching a middle school Science class He's all, okay kids, what's the speed of light Oh no, is he going to talk like this The entire
1: Well, he is a science know. teacher. So.
2: This is actually taken straight from the audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> One of his students is all, the speed of light is a construct of the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> He's all incorrect. That's the imperial system. The speed of light is 299,792,458 meters per second. Although it can be measured in patriarchy, that would be 186,000 miles per hour. Oh, the random things a middle school teacher knows.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Measured in patriarchy.
2: (laughs) His students fall asleep. (laughs) <laughs> he mistakes this for enthusiasm, the sole trait he holds in common with author Andy Weir, we promise. <laughs> After class, he's approached by a woman he doesn't recognize. She's all Dr. Grace. Grace? 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 Salvation, Grace. My goodness, that's on the nose, isn't it?
3: Like Mary and Joseph
2: not thinking twice before naming their kid Christ. Grace is all, how can I help you? Are you interested in some science facts? She's all, yes, but not right now. My name is Strat, the Grand Empress of the Human Race. (laughs) Grace is all, I didn't know we got one of those. Cool, cool, cool. The future's female, as I'm always saying. <laughs> Stratsalt, yes, but enough about me. I've heard you're a disgraced scientist because you believe the evolution of life doesn't require water. A radical concept that's only been voiced by a tremendous number of scientists in the real world. <laughs> Grace is all, that's right, I also wrote a paper on the prophylactic applications of livestock drench and vitamin D on airborne respiratory illnesses. (laughs) Strats all very good. You're exactly the sort of independent thinker we're looking for. Someone who asks questions, the hard questions, the questions nobody else is bold enough to ask. Now come along on my UN helicopter parked on the soccer field. (laughs) They fly to a secret base in a decommissioned strip mall where Grand Empress Strat exposits at length. The sun is dimming. According to telescopes, other stars are also dimming. (gasps) Fortunately, Strat has retrieved a sample of the single-celled organism responsible. Grace is all, Ah, an astrophage! <laughs> Strat's all, is the. What? Is, is that a thing? Are you just making shit up? <laughs> Grace is all, you'll get used to it. <laughs> Grace does science. He discovers that the astrophage consumes carbon dioxide. Charges up on sunlight and travels at nearly the speed of light. Eventually, he manages to breed it. Stratsall, Ooh. that's the opposite of what I was hoping for, Grace. <laughs> How do we get rid of the thing? <laughs> Grace is all, well, because it travels at the speed of light by emitting photons, we could use it to rig an interstellar starship drive, travel to the nearby star system that isn't going dim, make first contact with an alien race that isn't the astrophage, discover an unobtanium based metal, use it to make a big chain, recover an alien algae that eats this one, learn the true meaning of courage, and then save two species with one astrophage-fueled spin drive and some plot. <laughs> oh, the random things a science middle school science teacher knows.
0: <laughs> is that the end of the synopsis
1: <laughs> yeah. wrapped it up pretty tidily
2: Ryland grace wakes up in a sterile white room he has no memory of who he is what he's doing or what that fruity decomposing smell is <laughs> oh a robotic arm in the ceiling feeds him slurry and wipes his butt with scented wipes. The indignity. Grace prefers unscented. The indignity is too much to handle, so Grace rolls out of bed. This is a bad idea when attached to a catheter.
1: Oh yep.
2: His penis is t- promptly torn off. Grace is all ouchy. That hurt a little bit. Then he gets back to work. I reread that sentence twice while reassessing my gender assumptions about Andy Weir. It is. Over the next few chapters, Grace figures out that he's aboard a starship. He's here to solve the astrophage problem, and the other two members of his crew were mummified before the mission, apparently in some bizarre ritual to reawaken the sun god Ra. Grace <laughs> is all monstrous. Then again, nearly every primitive human culture has worshipped the sun at some point. Who am I to judge? Oh, the random things a middle school science <laughs> teacher knows.
3: <laughs>
2: he dumps the bodies out of the ship at that very moment his navigation computer blips at him there's a foreign object nearby oh no never mind that's one of his mummy friends (laughs) another blip could it be an alien ship oh no it's the other mummy the computer blips again having been let down twice grace counts on his fingers One mummy. (laughs) Two mummies. Okay, that's an alien vessel for sure this time. The alien vessel stops next to Grace's ship, angling its own astrophage thrusters away so it doesn't cook him with a blast of light. Grace makes his ship wiggle. The other vessel also wiggles. First contact. (laughs) The computer blips a non-mummy blip. The aliens have launched something his direction. Grace goes outside the ship and catches it. Inside is a model of his ship, plus molecule models. Grace replies with information about his own atmosphere and air pressure. Eventually, the alien vessel builds a bridge between ships. Grace walks into the tunnel. The alien is a space spider! (laughs) Grace nearly flees in terror, but the spider speaks to him. Unlike human speech, it's an indecipherable string of whistles, yops, and grunts. It's all... Yo, my name is Rocky Balboa, the Italian stallion. They say I'm the American dream.
0: I don't remember that part.
2: Grace is pretty all. Good. I think I'll call you Rocky.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. Back on Earth, Grace is soon promoted to Grand Empress Strats number two. They work aboard an aircraft carrier staffed with scientists and experts from all nations except for Canada.
3: Before long,
2: <laughs> before long, they've blanketed the Sahara Desert with astrophage breeding compartments, creating enough fuel for the upcoming space mission. Even with all that bug juice, the mission will be a one-way trip for the astronauts because of fuel limitations. Because humans will go insane in isolation, one of the scientists invents a hibernation pod— That only requires the ritual mummification of two human sacrifices to get a third person (laughs) safely to another star system. (laughs) Unfortunately, because this is science and not occultism, only one person in 70,000 will have the proper genetic markers for the hibernation process. Turns out Grace is one of those people. Weird. He's all, oh, the random things a middle school science teacher knows. <laughs> I turned to Andy Weir, who was just saying the exact same line in person. <laughs> he
0: wasn't a middle He's not a middle school
3: teacher.
2: I'm all, that's no, he's, he's an author.
3: <laughs> what is it
2: called when a character magically has all the right qualifications for the needs and concerns of the plot? Andy is all, Mary Sue. <laughs> I'm all, I know. I just like the word serendipitous or convenient or something. <laughs> Andy's all, it isn't sexist because there's also a boy term, Marty Stew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right, but Mary Sue is like a real name. Marty Stew isn't. Nobody has ever been named Marty Stew ever. Never. Never, ever. <laughs> I'd even go as far as to argue that Marty Stu is just a way to desexualize the term as a lampshade so we can get mad when the girl Jedi gets good at Jedi things as fast as a boy Jedi. Andy is all, Luke became a Jedi through hard work and perseverance. (laughs) I'm all, uh, he outflew the greatest Jedi pilot ever and blew up the Death Star like nine hours after leaving his home planet. (laughs) Andy is all, he used to bullseye womp rats in his T-16, checkmate, flashback over.
1: (laughs) Oh, that was very good.
0: What? What an interesting. Uh, tangent. I know how.
1: I know how much research that portion of your synopsis required. Damn. I had to hang out
2: with Andy Weir for like four hours. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I get it. <laughs> he's he says he's a cool guy. Yeah, he does. After 300 pages of first contacting, including watch each other poop, Grace gets. <laughs> 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 <Great>. <laughs> Yes they do.
3: Oh my gosh.
2: They literally do. He watches Rocky um, Poop. Yeah. And Rocky can see everything. No, around. Rocky can see everything through walls. When, Rocky when, is like God. He sees you all the time. When, and when Grace finds Dan, that out, he's like, Oh, were you watching when I was looking at the data banks last night? <laughs> <laughs>
1: When Dan reveals these little details to Summer, he just gets the most impish grin. (laughs) It's just, it's just a delight.
2: After 300 pages of first contacting, Grace gets around to asking Rocky why he's here on Tau Ceti. He's all, you are my here to defeat the astrophage. (laughs) Grace is all, oh, crap, the astrophage. Yes, let's let's go defeat it. (laughs) They go to the planet where the astrophage originated. Their plan is to skip Grace's ship off the atmosphere while he rides it like that guy from Dr. Strangelove straddling a nuke. (laughs) Dropping a kilometers long chain down to collect a sample of the space algae that eats astrophage and keep it from devouring too much of Tau Ceti's light. This is literally... And I mean literally, not figuratively, the most daring thing any human being has ever attempted. <laughs> and I invite you to recall this fact in the future during a, another plot twist. The plan okay. goes according to a plan. <laughs> and they recover what Grace Christens Taumiba. I turn to Andy again. I'm all, really? He's all whack. Pens are the height of comedic brilliance. (laughs) As Grace gets back into his starship, it begins rioting out of control. Turns out skipping across an atmosphere will burn a hole in your aluminum siding and expose your astrophage to space, which permits it to emit light and sends you into a heavy spin. Mm. That's the trouble with being a homeowner. (laughs) Grace barely makes it to the cockpit to stop the spin, but he passes out from the G forces. Rocky emerges from his sealed habitat to save him, sacrificing his alien life. Grace saves the ship, then nurses Rocky back to help the same way I clean out my computer case of dust. <laughs> I'm just like blasting the shit out of it with compressed air. When Rocky wakes up, he's like, Oh, actually, that uh, was killing me faster. <laughs> At that, Exact moment, the ship loses all power, plunging Grace into darkness. Without the advantage of his eyesight, he begins to panic, only to remember that Rocky navigates via sonar instead of with light-sensing organs. He's all, Rocky, 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 (laughs) what? Can you direct me to fix the ship? (laughs) Rocky's all, oh yeah, just uh, go under the floor and there's a thing that stopped vibrating. You'll need to reach the ladder over there. (laughs) Grace <laughs> is all hmm. In order to propel myself through zero G, I need to eject solid propellant to generate thrust. Fortunately, the average male <laughs> ejaculation is undertaken at a speed of twenty-eight miles per hour and produces just enough mass offsetting for me to reach that ladder. No, oh, the Dan. random things a middle school science teacher knows. Oh no,
1: Dan, we can't do when you're not in space it push you backward. We can't do it. <laughs> Uh the McElroy's beat us there. <laughs> Rocky's
2: all hey, just throw a shoe or something. <laughs> <laughs> also I don't know why a middle school science teacher would know that. <laughs> 28 miles per hour. It's incredibly specific. <laughs> Dan's middle school science teacher taught out of the textbook. Never once brought up ejaculation. Not once. <laughs> Not
1: once. <laughs> Not once, Grace. Grace will so finally get it. <laughs>
3: oh Funny. <laughs>
2: I don't know if I want to be on (laughs) the ship with you anymore,
3: Grace. (laughs) (laughs) Together they fixed the ship. (laughs) Turns
2: out the Taomiba leaked into the ship's astrophage stores, turning it into a big slurry of Taomiba poo instead of rocket fuel. They fix the problem, breed a bunch of Taomiba to save both planets, and part ways with enough fuel to reach both home planets. Grace is sad to leave his friend, but he's also glad that his suicide mission is no longer quite so suicide <laughs> Flashback. Grand Emperor Strat calls Grace into her quarters. Grace is anxious. He comes in talk. No, oh, damn it. <laughs> he comes in Hot. He comes in hot, talking a mile a minute. Look, I know I put up a strong front. I know I seem blandly asexual. (laughs) (laughs) I know there's been a lot of sexual tension between us, but I was thinking, maybe it's time to pump some blood through these old bones, you know? (sighs) How about it? You, me, empress, middle school science teacher, a coupling for the ages. (laughs) Strat's all, Grace, the two astronauts we were going to send on this mission have been exploded.
0: (laughs) That was a sad part.
2: You're our only hope. (laughs) Exploded? Like, all the way exploded. (laughs) Grace is all, uh, here's an idea. How about, no, I stay here and offer more middle school science facts. <laughs> That's been working for us so far. Surely this train will keep coming into station. <laughs> Stratsalt, look, I know you're a coward, but the entire human race needs you. Also will likely descend into cannibalism before your mission is over. You're getting the better half of this deal, Grace. You can go off on this mission. Save everyone and live up to your preposterous surname. <laughs> Grace begins to weep. I'm too much of a coward. <laughs> I turn to Andy Weir, who's lounging on, in a hammock, wrapped while reading a child book entitled Year's Best Puns. I'm also Grace is a coward? Andy Weir is all, yep. <laughs> Didn't see that coming, did ya? <laughs> well, no I, I didn't you really got me um especially after he like rodeo clowned that spaceship across the planet's atmosphere <laughs> and is all i guess sometimes you think someone is a coward but they do things that make you rethink your prejudices remind you of anyone he looks me deep in the eyes anyone dan does that remind you of anyone maybe someone you know Maybe someone who you might think of as nebbish and maybe a little silly, perhaps not worthy of a second glance, but deep down, he's as brogue as he is clever at riffing incredible puns. <laughs> I'm all, I don't think that's what brogue means. <laughs> brogue. <laughs> Strat interrupts our conversation. She's all sorry to do this, Grace, but we're going to roofie you and send you on the mission anyway. (laughs) Humanity is calling with a roofie. (laughs) (laughs) Grace doesn't have time to be grumpy about Strat's betrayal because his ship has stopped moving. He checks his fuel tanks and discovers that Taomiba has eaten all of his reserves that were patched by Rocky's magic space polymer. He gasps, oh no. That means Rocky. He looks through his periscope or whatever they have on ships (laughs) instead of (laughs) submarines. He could no longer see the light of Rocky's ship engines. Grace pauses, weighing his options. He's such a coward. We've learned five seconds ago in defiance of every action he's undertaken for 400 pages. He can sacrifice himself to save Rocky or return home a hero. He's all, bet you didn't see this coming Grand Empress. (laughs) Before realizing that Strat isn't actually there to lip at. (laughs) He flies back and saves Rocky. Together they fly to Rocky's planet without going insane, where Rocky's people reward him for saving their entire species by sticking him in a terrarium and making him educate the first wave of soldiers who are bound to conquer Earth. The end.
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> oh. Oh.
2: I didn't Damn. see that coming Fantastic,
3: yeah
2: Andy Weir is a master of the twist <laughs> That's why he says people call him the pretzel master <laughs> I'm all They do? Yes, Dan
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right Man. That was, that was fantastic Thank you, Dan. Thank you, I hope now everyone remembers exactly what happened in Project Hail Mary <laughs> Oh boy, do I ever And maybe you also got some narrative insight along the way
3: Mm -hmm.
2: into how Andy Weir constructed his story through my uh, interview
1: anecdotes. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's practically unavoidable.
0: That was, that was great. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. We're going to do some bad takes now. I've got a couple of reviews here that I copied and pasted into my word processing program. The first one says, no one's talking about the elephant in the room, meaning that apparently this person felt that Andy Weir was um, being condescending and dismissive about climate change, about global, getting preachy about global warming. Oh. And that's just not what you do when you want to engage an audience.
1: No. Let's keep our... Sci-fi, non-political.
0: Yeah, there's one thing that sci-fi is has is a always been—political been. thing, not yeah. a science
2: thing. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Is this person saying, "Wait, like Andy Weir is advocating climate change or denying it?" Like, what's the?
0: I don't know. Yeah, what's he He says he's getting—he's <clears throat> getting preachy about global warming, and and then he does a quote and just like that another climate denier is born can he be more condescending and dismissive and then here he's saying mm-hmm. this person believes in climate change because the climate changes every 3 months it's called seasons
3: <laughs> <laughs> gosh
1: oh brother because that's what the word climate means
0: uh, yeah and that uh <laughs> What What I don't believe in is soft science and doomsday predictions based on data that's easily manipulated by activists to say anything they want. I I think this person missed the point of the book.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So what are we going to discuss about this person's uh, bad...
0: Your bad take.
2: This is a bad take.
0: Yes. It's a
2: bad take. It's a bad take. I'm not asking. I'm saying I'm agreeing. Yeah. I am (laughs) concurring with your judgment that this is the the rankest of bad takes.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Is there anything to discuss? Did did just want to bring up.
2: Did we feel like this was an allegory for climate change? No. Like when they nuked the ice caps?
1: (laughs) Right. No. uh, (laughs) I think there were nods. To climate change um i, f- but I feel I f-
0: like it was part of the book it was kind of like the sun is getting less hot that's going to change our climate
2: yeah i think maybe yeah. you could say that like it's about climate change in the sense that here's like an ideal situation <clears throat> because like instead of hemming and hawing and politicizing it they're basically like okay well we're going to appoint a grand empress
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> to solve the problem, and we're going to get a bunch of nerds to fix it. And then when some government is like, we're going to sue you for copyright infringement, they're just like, nope.
1: Don't <laughs> no, play not... along. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I guess I could see that, but you kind of have to like,
1: you really have it's to almost... dig with
2: that scalpel to get to it.
1: Right. And And in that, it's almost like, it's almost like, a uh, fascist response to climate change.
3: Like sure. <laughs> it's, the,
1: it's the iron hand, uh, you know, that just uh, takes control and forces the correct response to, to this global threat, which is an interesting approach to writing that story. Yeah. I, I guess I do think, I mean, I had a hard time not seeing the allegory as pandemic related, um, just because of, you know, what we're all going through. <laughs> and, so, and so, you know, and so I was, I was seeing it through that lens, I think more often of, mm-hmm. you know, a global response to a big threat, the links that, that they went to, to respond. Do you
2: think any of this was written during the pandemic?
1: I think probably not.
2: I mean, just the way that books like the tale Right. In terms of like the editing and printing and marketing. I would think that this would all be pre-pandemic, but I yeah. agree that Brock, like you, I was thinking about it quite a bit in terms of the pandemic and just like man, where's strat to be like, <laughs> shut up? We're doing
1: right. it this
3: way. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Interesting bad take.
0: Okay, here's another bad take. This one is written by Turd Ferguson, which I I, I kind of think it might be a a fake name. <laughs> that's kind of
2: like on the nose, the way that uh, Ryland Grace is on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> Although, I mean, that's from SNL's Celebrity Jeopardy, so. Right.
0: This, this person says that they threw this book in the garbage and that it's science fiction oh, wow. for Dick and Jane aficionados. Anyone with more than a fourth grade education will want to claw out their eyeballs Instead, try reading pretty much any other author who engages the services of a professional editor. Wow. Huh. That was kind of a mean-spirited one. That's, yeah. And also, what is the, what's the grade level that uh, you're supposed to write books to that you want to sell to, like, the general public? Like,
2: fourth grade. Fourth grade. <laughs> yes. So
0: yeah. whoever this person is, they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> and I thought it was really good science fiction. We read a lot of science fiction, and I thought it was good. Some stuff was made up, but yeah. what science fiction isn't?
2: <laughs> well, I this is this is kind of an interesting take. So I would love to get Turd Ferguson's <laughs> yeah, let's list of recommendations. Yeah. If this is a uh, if this is bad, now I will say that I don't think that this is like the headiest sci-fi i've ever read no right.
0: but but i think it's pretty good for
2: right and it, and, it, it, and, and, it and it's trying to be sure. hard sci-fi where you have to think about like physics and stuff
0: yeah mm-hmm. but not even like a lot just a little bit yeah so
2: i
1: yeah i'm very you know turd if you end up hearing this please email us <laughs> you know spacebiffbookspace at gmail.com turd i
2: like brock i would like to give you a personal supplication. <laughs> if you get back to me and don't have i I would love to hear your uh science fiction for people who are not dick and jane aficionados yeah what an interesting burn i kind of want to use that as a burn now (laughs) right
0: (laughs) you're gonna steal something from turd You know, I think only if you quote turd, (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to say as,
2: as his, uh, as our luminary turd Ferguson said, (laughs) you strike me as a Dick and Jane aficionado.
0: (laughs) All right. Okay. And then the last bad take is someone who gave it five out of five stars and I just felt it was a little too over the top. I just finished one of the best books I've ever read in my life. I did not want it to end. What a ride. What a fantastic read. So interesting. So imaginative. So funny. So absolutely fabulous. Oh, how I fell in love with the main two characters. Brilliant, fantastic characters. I'm actually mourning the act of finishing this amazing book. It felt like saying goodbye to my two best friends forever. What a story. Anyway, it kind of goes on for a little bit more. Okay. And I... You know, it was a good book, but I don't think it's the best book I've ever read. You know, I really enjoyed it. I found I found the main character a little grating for about half the book and then it got more adventuresome and I was like, Okay, I can handle you because I want to find out what happens. <laughs> yeah.
2: What I like about this review is that it says it's the best book ever, and this person just lost their two best friends. You didn't mention who wrote it. It's Will Wheaton, and it's four out of five stars. <laughs> <laughs> was
3: that
0: who it was? No. Uh-huh. Oh, man. But it sure does sound like our friend Will.
2: <laughs> Will, if you're listening.
1: <laughs> yeah, if this makes it back you. If you say that
2: good. something is the smartest book ever and then give it four out of five stars, I'm just calling Tonal Whiplash.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: four out of five All stars.
0: All
1: right. Well, that's the end of the bad takes. Very good. Brock, what oh, do we man. have to discuss? Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I've got some... So we kind of started talking about uh the hardness of this sci-fi and uh you know i think we can agree that on the um you know for if we're, if we're doing signifiers this is hard sci-fi compared to soft sci-fi um you know this this uh at least has the veneer of you know scientific plausibility um what is it about what is it about Andy Weir's sci-fi that makes him so successful? you know because because there are other writers who have similar levels of uh, you know, who, who write with similar levels of complexity maybe and and those writers they don't necessarily dwindle in obscurity, but they don't get the the laudable, praise the four out of five will wheaton reviews you know that the andy weir ends up with so uh and dan very politely raised his hand and he wants to answer this question i do <laughs> that's why i raised my hand Oh, okay yeah what
3: is, what is
2: okay. It, Dan? please i have a theory okay now i love hard science fiction i love soft science fiction
0: sure
2: i love soft serve science fiction oh boy
0: is that an is that a Real
2: thing. I love over medium science fiction. (laughs) (laughs) But I actually think that one of the things that Andy Weir does, and I think that this is, I don't know if this is because he's talented and I think he is talented Mm -hmm. and I don't think, and I don't know if this is because he's a goofball. Although I think he is that kind of charming goofball. And there's a reason that all three of his books have been written in the exact same tone.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) same voice.
2: I think that what I like about Andy Weir is that he does two very different things that are almost never uh, put together. And one is that he does absolute hard science fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I'm sure that someone's going to come in and be like, he got Delta V wrong in one of the chapters, you know, something (laughs) nutty. Sure. Okay. First of all, this is hard science fiction. Anyone contesting that is a (laughs) nutcase. But he puts it in with this tone that almost feels like you're reading like a young adult book,
0: mm-hmm. where it's fun. The person yeah, it's, is the, it's fun. The, and the upbeat narrator is and personable, right?
2: It, it's lively yeah. and it's optimistic.
0: Mm-hmm. It's and, like the fun science teacher, not yeah, the boring science teacher. Right.
2: Yeah. And and I feel like so much of of hard sci-fi is written by very unfun people.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
2: Where they get the technical side, but they do not get the side where, you know, I am not a scientist. I want you to engage me with why this hard stuff is so cool.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And Andy Weir does that. And I think that that's actually pretty tricky. I do think he's a talented writer in part because we have two ends of the spectrum where we have kind of this light bubbly, even so bubbly that sometimes it's grating. Yes. Yes. Sure. (laughs) It was grating on me, to be honest. Ryland Grace annoyed me. Yeah. um, At least until he got down to the business of solving problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then on the other side, you have this very careful attention to detail, hard science fiction story. I mean, he has. So in this story, for instance, he presents a novel he creates a stellar drive out of his concept that you can see how it would work and reach relativistic speeds, which lets him have that whole anecdote with Rocky's spaceship having brought three times too much fuel mm-hmm. <laughs> right. because they didn't realize that time dilation would mean they'd only travel a third of the, you know, distance yeah. that they mm-hmm. had yeah. estimated. And he's a, and he can take these ideas that don't find their way into much science fiction and make them feel just tangible and and just totally logical, mm-hmm. and the problems that arise, like you know that how do how do they shield from deep space radiation? Well, they put a thin layer of of, of, astrophage. of astrophage around the ship. That yeah. makes total sense because it's, mm-hmm. it it absorbs all radiation. Mm-hmm. But then what happens when you burn the side of the ship? Oh, well, you've just exposed all of that <laughs> astrophage. Know. To outer space, and so they're propelling you sideways. Mm-hmm. And you can see how each of these steps completely builds from this mechanical assumption of how the astrophage works, even if it is fantastical. Mm-hmm. And I love how he does that. The science is not grading in any way. No, I it's I mean, not. All of that is just a joy to read how he constructs that, how problems arise from previous solutions and then become new problems and new solutions. That's fun. Mm-hmm. And and that's also so much of what the scientific process is.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah is- that That was my kind of thought too, is that he captures, you know, kind of the, the humanity of doing science where, you know, scientists are going through processes of failure upon failure
3: mm-hmm. and,
1: and learning from it and kind of enjoying each new discovery, what each failure can teach them. Yeah. But I, I think you stated it really well. So one, what knew, is, what is,
2: oh. one is Ryland Grace too plucky? Sure. Does he succeed too often? (laughs) Yes.
3: Yeah.
0: I, you know, I, I actually liked when it got to the, when it got to the really um, scary accident where he like blacked out and, Mm -hmm. and Rocky got hurt saving him. I mean, that was, I, I found that a little bit more realistic where it's like, oh yeah, he finally got hurt. He made a huge mistake. That was a really dumb idea Right, <laughs> and right. it kind of worked, but it also really didn't work. I found that refreshing at that point mm-hmm. where he had to figure out that. Anyway.
1: Yeah. Cause I, and I think that's something that, that you want in a, you know, in a space faring story. You want the sense that there is a thin layer of whatever it is, a thin layer of doing things right that is protecting you from the void that will instantly kill you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you want that tension and you want consequences. You know, you, you want a, a screw up to really punish your uh, your protagonist.
2: The only thing that would make it better is if one of his puns had come back to bite oh, him. Oh, if only.
0: <laughs> like which one?
2: I don't know like he, he he's like your name is Rocky and Rocky's like that's offensive
1: <laughs> in my culture or, or this is how we say hello in my culture and then he knocks him out.
2: Yeah. I have heard some people complain that Rocky was maybe uh too anthropomorphic, too mm-hmm. human yeah. and I I kind of agree. I mean that the 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 rea- the inner relation with Rocky was probably the
1: least hard. Yes, I think um, You know, I think in terms of, Andy Weir has these two scales that he's balancing, where he's balancing science with fun.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and with Rocky, he was like, yeah, pile on the fun, baby. Let's, yeah,
2: like,
3: let's like, make who a snarky want. spider <laughs> <Right>. alien.
2: <laughs> like, the alien understands, like, sarcasm. Right. And has, like, a super metal. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah. And, and like, like,
1: it's very fun. You know, the, the interplay between between Ryland and Rocky, like it is very fun, but, but there are moments where you're like, all right, that was kind of like a, I mean, that was approaching a sitcom joke that this <laughs> rock alien just told.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but it's fun. And I agree. I think Andy Weir is, is extremely talented in the thing that he does. You know, he, he has sort of a range that he works in and I think he's very good in that range.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we should even qualify that. Like, I hate it when people say that, like it's a diss, you know, oh, yeah. Uh, um, you know, when people are mm-hmm. like, oh, the rock Dwayne Johnson, he's <laughs> only good in his range. I'm like, yeah, but within that range, baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: He's like, incredible. He, he's, the rock. I, he's
1: really good. <laughs> I don't need him to like. I don't doesn't need know, him to be to go in, beyond that. Yeah, I, I don't romance. I don't. I don't, I don't need Dwayne
2: Johnson in Schindler's List. You no. know, it's totally inappropriate <laughs> to that man's God-given talents. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Also, that doesn't really that doesn't really mesh well with actual history. The
2: you
1: know what? If thing. if Spielberg is on board, <laughs> yeah, let's get Dwayne over there.
3: Let's do it. <laughs> Yeah.
1: (laughs) so and and we also kind of you know started talking about about this um you know about what the what the book maybe is is saying you know what message is it kind of trying to approach um i do think there is a maybe there's an element in this writing where Andy Weir, you know, has written The Martian, which was a huge success. And maybe with Project Hail Mary, he maybe has to not uh, be too controversial or political and maybe hold back in some of the messaging. Um, You know, but I I was thinking about, okay, you know, is this book saying... During a global crisis, there might be some people who volunteer to sacrifice for the greater good while there might be some other people who won't be convinced to sacrifice uh, and you know what uh, what is what is Andy Weir's message here what's he telling us? Oh man we're going deep. <laughs>
2: I mean, in terms of uh, ends justifying means, Strat sure was right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah.
2: She didn't she picked a protagonist.
1: Right. yeah, she really knows how to pick them.
2: I mean, though, who's to say maybe that like high school chemistry teacher from Chile or wherever would have done a good job?
1: Right, yeah. maybe a better job. Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe all those uh, spider aliens would have had to come live with us. Maybe that's the better outcome. Then we could invade them.
2: Yeah. I wouldn't see it coming.
0: (laughs) I think it's pretty hard to um, figure out what an author's message is, or even if one exists. I mean, he may not have written it with like, this is the message I want to share with the world <laughs> with
3: this book.
0: <laughs> I mean, it might have just been I have this cool idea and this person's going to save earth and this is how he's going to do it. It's just going to be this middle school teacher that's kind of a know-it-all.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know, when I hacked his emails, I couldn't find anything about him saying what the message was. So, those were no <laughs> I help. Will,
2: I I do think that authors often kind of show their biases. Um, when they don't expect to. Mm-hmm. And I think that this shows my bias as well. Um, so in the scene where there's the explosion um, that kills the two scientists that Grace has to replace, mm. yeah. um, my assumption was terrorist attack.
3: Mm.
2: Oh, interesting. Because, uh, because yeah. really there's, you know, I, maybe this is because like you Brock, I'm going through a pandemic in which a, a significant portion of the population, their motivation is basically like "I don't wanna," and <laughs> and they're just kind of opting out of like, you know, getting a shot helping
0: humanity. Yeah. And
2: and and you're not <laughs> being sent on a suicide mission to Tau Ceti, yeah. where the only upside is you get to have an alien friend for a while. They, uh I mean, it's <laughs> like you get the sniffles for a day or something. And um. <laughs> And so there is the part of me that I feel like I'm a little more cynical than Andy Weir mm. because to me the thing that was kind of unrealistic at that level is that it didn't seem like anyone was really like not putting up with it. Like they were like okay the world's ending in a in a few decades unless we work together. And their solution was to like work together. I I don't know if I Think that would happen, (laughs) right? And so when that explosion happened, I was like, "Whoa, Andy, we're pulling back to reality." Like some people think this is a stupid thing; they think it's a conspiracy. They blew up your lab, and then it turns out it was an accident.
0: Yeah, I did think terrorism at first too, and that's maybe just a—that is kind of what we expect in these. Times isn't it,
2: yeah, right. and so I think that's showing showing my butt a little bit
0: that <laughs> I'm cynical
2: and don't think people will pull together to solve complex problems at least not at least
0: not easily, yeah. yeah not
2: everybody, not easily, there will be significant pushback even to the most obvious of problems with the yes. simplest of
1: solutions, yeah, exactly the you know the the uh the violent pushback to something that you know seems so. So reasonable and clearly uh, beneficial.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, you and know,
1: to, th- to think that like, oh, yeah, terrorists would attack these scientists who are working on a solution to <laughs> this global problem.
0: Well, it was kind of interesting. I mean, I guess they like in the book, it said that the Russians were like, oh, this is terrorism. And we're going to, you know, they like locked everything down right away.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, but I think more of the world is of the would also be thinking that it would be terrorism and not an accident. Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, So I I have to, uh, when you were saying that, you know, authors show their biases. um, I was reminded of a, uh, of an Aza Bassa tweet uh, at Poncho Rebound. If you follow him, he's the raccoon guy on Twitter. He does a lot of board game (laughs) tweets uh and i couldn't find it but if i remember the tweet it was if you're uh if your friend asks you to read their novel you should always accept because that's the best way to learn uh the way the different ways that they're weird about sex and i just think that's <laughs> great advice
3: <laughs>
2: So. Nice. <laughs> I think everyone learned, just from a synopsis, some of my knowledge about the uh, the sexual intricacies of the human race. I oh, I mean, it's a... Just it's to a, know,
0: that's a, that's a fun fact that Dan knows. I don't know that if Andy Weir knows that or not. You know, I,
2: I was curious to learn if astronauts, you know, in like the International Space Station, where you might be up there for a long time, sure. what NASA's policy was on maybe cranking the handle and i learned that they know a lot about it and um they have no official statement on the behavior of astronauts however at uh nasa's doctors who are monitoring astronauts do encourage that once a week they should uh help their prostate
1: sure clear the pipes as it were
2: yes um now you can it is
0: important
1: yeah
2: Uh, You don't know what might happen in space if your prostate isn't taken care of. Yeah. And they don't want to find out.
1: No, we just, we simply
2: don't know enough. On one of humanity's finest. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Let's send some Um, other person up there and find out on them. Although they probably just have no trouble with it. So
1: yeah, no, Dan, your, uh, your synopses are an unfolding tapestry of the ways in which you are weird about sex. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's, a, it's a constant delight.
0: Well, you may or may not want to know.
2: i <laughs> um, summers learning new things.
1: So, uh, <laughs> okay. So uh, discussion topic. And, uh, you know, we, we definitely, or you definitely went into this in your synopsis. Were you disappointed uh, about Ryland being revealed to be a coward?
2: Yes, but not because I was disappointed in him. I thought it was a stupid twist.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I so I had a, uh, uh, I had a, a brief <laughs> discussion of this book with uh, some friends uh, that we also have a book club. So I may have cheated wow. on you just a little. Yeah. Um,
0: Rock, you're double booking. Yeah, no,
1: I'm, it's uh, it's two, killing two birds with one stone, right? You can have two book club meetings by reading one book. That's just ideal. Uh, I didn't pick I know this it's one. It's
2: possible to generate two other. thrusts with one <laughs> <Yeah>. solid uh, <laughs> propellant.
1: Oh heavens! You might be surprised. Uh, so, my friend Gentry, she she pointed out something that I thought was very interesting that all his memories came roughly in chronological order. So the cowardice could be a big reveal instead of him just remembering that, you know, right at the beginning. Oh, I'm a a coward. And that was pretty convenient uh, that he remembered things like that. I thought that was interesting. Maybe even a little... Uh
0: I don't know how memory recovery works, or if it is even a thing. But I would imagine it's not in chronological order.
1: Yeah, I, I think I agree.
0: You know, but I, then that would be more confusing in terms of the narrative. Yes,
2: yeah, this is I, having read a lot of books that kind of have two plot lines in parallel, even using amnesia. I'm I'm just going to say that as the book decider, I'm going to allow it. <laughs> However, <laughs> you would think that like so, this guy. So, yeah, I mean, it, it tended to be that he had flashbacks relating to problems, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
2: so he wakes up and, and it was kind of humorous, again, in that bubbly grating way that he's like, I like kids. Oh, no.
3: You know, and the implication
2: pretty, being like, oh, my goodness, am I a pedophile? Funny. I'm a single would man. They, would they send like a pedophile kids. astronaut out here? <laughs> and, and then he's like, oh, no, I'm a school teacher. That's why I like kids. Yes. No, that was pretty, pretty good. And that was a kind of a bit. cute reveal. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know if I would have in my head been like, "Oh, I like kids," therefore I'm a pedophile. If you're just like,
0: I didn't get uh, that.
2: That's what he, mean, was, he,
0: d- he was. He was like, "Oh no, I, just, I like kids no, I was thinking he was in afraid terms of, of like that, yeah. that he was like, "Wait, I didn't think I liked kids," as in like having kids, like being a father. I thought that that's Whoa. what I took from it.
1: Is that what you got from it, Brock? Oh no! Full on. He was like, "Uh oh, I'm a pedophile." Oh no, never mind. I'm a school
3: teacher. Okay, okay. (laughs)
2: Listeners, we're going to take an anonymous poll. Everyone who has read this book, (laughs) tell us: does did did Rylan Grace briefly think he might be a pedophile
1: or not? (laughs) All right,
0: kids. We got twenty eight minutes on my battery, so do we have anything else to discuss? (laughs) Uh,
1: I don't have any other discussion. Okay. topics I just I liked this a lot I thought it was really fun um, I think that uh, you know Andy Weir can spin a tale and uh, yeah he he gave us some fun stuff some fun yeah, stuff be, too yeah, I
0: enjoyed it <laughs> alright well thank you everyone that participated in this discussion and
2: remember us to write us uh, if you think that Ryland Grace thought he was a pedophile. Yeah,
1: yeah. Go ahead and give us a...
2: very important information. Right,
0: right. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I'm in charge of the next book choice, and I think I'm choosing a winner. I think I'm choosing one that everyone will like. But I don't know if that's Excellent. necessarily a good thing. Anyway,
2: there's a slight change in format.
0: It is. We're going to read. Well, what I'm going to suggest we read is Mind Management by matt kent it is a graphic novel which is a little Ooh, bit of a lovely change from what we normally do
1: yeah this will be an interesting discussion and uh a lot of describing pictures i'm excited for that <laughs>
3: maybe you know, so I,
2: I am a little worried <laughs> but i trust in my ability to create a word portrait
3: yes
1: <laughs> i also All trust right. in that
0: well, that's it for Space Biff, Book Space Business. Oh, I, hey, understand, uh, I understand that Brock has something he wants to share. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> go buy my books. I, uh, this, this last week, I launched 2 ebooks. e-books. Uh, they are novellas, so they're pretty short reads. They're 99 cents each.
0: That's a steal. Uh,
1: you can search for my name. Uh, You can search for Bizarre Frontier. That's the series. Uh, They are weird Western novellas, uh, and they are a lot of fun. I think, I mean, I think they're pretty good. I wrote them, so I've read them a few times, and I think they did all right. (laughs) I don't know how to market my books. (laughs) They've got like cowboys and stuff.
0: Weird cowboys, I hope.
1: Do you like cowboys? (laughs) Do you like weird? How about weird cowboys?
3: Yeah, Ooh, see we these are that. some
1: weird
2: cowboys. All right. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. Go go check out uh, Brock Polson's novels about weird cowboys.
1: Yep. They're called On Moths and Hanged Man's Boots. I guess I could say the titles too.
0: Nice. Here yeah. we go. All right, everybody. Thank you.
1: Thanks, y'all.
3: Good night. <laughs> Nice, nice cowboy talk there.
1: <laughs> Thank you for joining us in the Space Biff Bookspace. Our theme music is Day Trips by Ketza. Join us next month for another discussion. And in the meantime, you can email us at spacebiffbookspace.com at gmail.com